beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. I'm Laura Tremaine, and I have 10 things to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. Each episode has a prompt or a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to a friend, or share on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Brooke, welcome to 10 Things to Tell You. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here today because we are going to talk about teenagers and manners, (laughs) which are not typically words that we use together in a sentence. And I have teenagers. Well, I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old. And so this topic is on my mind at all times, it feels like. So I'm so happy you're here. Can you just introduce yourself a little bit to the listeners so they know who you are and a little bit about what you do? Yes, I will be quick. I am a writer and a speaker and have a great Instagram community that I love being a part of. And I also am a mom of four boys. My oldest is 21. Then I have an 18-year-old, a 17-year-old, and a 12-year-old. So I've been in this teenage boy game for quite a few years, and I've done a lot of things wrong, and I figured some things out, and I love being able to just share that around a community setting. I believe that different things work well for different families. I'm open to that idea. And I think the more we kind of share what's worked and what hasn't, the more equipped we are to be the parents our teenagers need us to be. So did you get passionate about this topic, Manners, because you're a mom of four? Or is there, like, have you always sort of been Miss Manners, if you will? (laughs) Well, 100% no. I actually don't love manners, which is kind of funny. I'm a more relaxed person. So when anybody kind of refers to me as like the manners expert, I really like to remind them that this is, 
These are modern manners. It's much less about which fork to use or which side the drink goes on and the and you know the bread goes on. These are about relationship manners, social norms, and that is what I personally am passionate about. I'm passionate about helping teens feel successful. And to do that, I think they need to understand social norms and what works in in our world. And that's that's what I'm passionate about. It's interesting that you say that about the manners, like which fork goes on which side, because I grew up in Oklahoma, which is very Southern in culture, which has a lot. Well, when I was growing up, this is probably lessened because the world has changed. But when I was growing up, a lot of formality mm-hmm. to the manners thing. And yet I remember one time talking about this with my mom and my mom's an amazing entertainer. Like she throws a beautiful party. She sets a gorgeous table. Like she's a, a big entertainer. And I don't remember exactly what we were discussing, but she said something that has stuck with me always. I don't think she made this up, but she's the one that imparted this message to me that good manners are about making everyone feel comfortable and they're less about adhering to a very strict rule and that we sometimes have etiquette and manners like so we're all sort of on the same playing field and have the same sort of idea of what we want this interaction or this event to be instead of like, oh, you're doing everything wrong, you know, kind of Yes. Thing. Yes. For me, I love your mom's definition because it goes really well with how I feel about manners. But to me, modern manners are about creating aware, connected, and kind kids. Because I think those types of people end up feeling successful and not in a worldly sense necessarily, But I think successful people are those who have the confidence to move about the world in a way that feels comfortable and enriching to them and those around them. And so that's why, do you mind if I share a story about kind of how this came about? Please, I would love to hear this. Okay. So when my oldest was entering the teen years, I was around teens a lot. There were a lot of teens in our home. I was around him. Obviously, his little brother was transitioning to that stage. I was helping a lot at the middle school, in church, all all kinds of places where I was seeing teens. And what I noticed is there were two groups of teenagers. Everyone in elementary school kind of just, you know, there there was enough encouragement from parents and teachers, and there was enough sameness in elementary school that allowed everyone to just be fine. You know, people weren't so critical of each other. But as I watched these teenagers, I noticed that there were two groups. The first group, they just understood social norms. They just got it. And some of it was maybe what they were taught. A lot of it was just what they were born with. Good emotional IQ, good personal IQ, relational IQ. And these kids, as I watched them move through these teenage years, they had a much more enjoyable experience. They knew how to talk to people. They knew how to start a conversation. They knew how to be appropriate in someone's home. They knew how to pitch in when they were in school, do their part, take responsibility for their mistakes, all these little things that they were doing. And and I watched their confidence increase, their opportunities increase, and just the level of life they were living was just a lot more enjoyable. There were plenty of things that went wrong for them, but overall, there was a lot of things that were going right. And then I was watching this other group that just didn't quite get it. And there were lots of reasons for this. Maybe they were, had a little neurodiversity. Maybe their parents didn't teach them the things. Maybe they just had a personality where they were like, you know, screw you. I'm not going to do it anyway, whatever that was. 
And I watched as things became a lot more difficult for them. Relationships were harder, which meant they were lonely more often. Teachers never used them as the good examples, so they weren't given extra opportunities at school. They were the kids that often got fired from jobs because they you know, just didn't quite get it. And as I was watching these two groups, there was nothing really remarkable about the difference between them. It was just like you didn't have to be a calculus student or the star of the basketball team to be successful. You just kind of had to get it. And as I thought about that, I thought there are so many small and simple things that we could help this other group learn to have a chance at being more successful in their daily life. Well, I know exactly what you're talking about, both having been a teen myself and then now being around a lot of them. But I wonder there's probably someone listening to this who feels like their teen might fall into that second group, like who is doesn't seem to get it. And I know this is like a multi-layered answer, but do you think that that's like just on how we teach them? Or, I mean, obviously you sort of mentioned there's some personality issues here. There's obviously neurodivergencies maybe, but like, is it just about teaching them and that that will help them get it? Or are there cultural factors at play? Like I feel like there's like a lot going on. And I, as a parent, you know, speaking to parents, I hate to be like, we're all doing it wrong. I know that that's not it. Although of course we can do things that help. Yeah. So I think that there, there are a couple of ways to see parenting. One is a bit fatalistic where it's like, it doesn't really matter what I do. You know, it doesn't matter whether I do this, teach, help, whatever, guide. My kid is going to turn out however they turn out because they want to. And there's times when I've bought into that philosophy. And then there's the other philosophy on the other end where everything a parent does matters. And if you have, if you are a good parent, you will have good children. And I do not believe that at all either. And I think that there is a really happy middle ground that we can embrace as parents. And the first thing that I would say is, is this going to work for every child? Is using manners going to make them be successful? No, I don't believe that for one second. Will every child latch on to the manners because their parent is teaching it? No, that's absolutely not true. Um, But as parents, can we do our part? Can we at least expose them? Can we teach them? Can we give them a fighting chance at being able to learn some of these social and emotional skills that could help them be much more successful in the future, even if they don't fully embrace it right now? Yes. And as a parent of kids who have all chosen very different ways to exist in the world, the thing at the end of the day for me is for me to feel like I'm a good parent. I have to feel like I've done what I can to prepare them to be adults in this world. Now, whether they choose to hold on to that and embrace it and do all the things I hope they do, that is not up to me. They are too old for me to force those things, but I can have a lot of confidence and peace in the way I've parented when I feel like I've done my part and then I can also let go and let them be the people that they decide to be. Oh, I love that. And the other thing that I love about your guide is that it gives me an idea of the things that I need to be teaching or maybe reinforcing because sometimes there are big gaps in what we teach our kids because we just assume that they're going to know them. (laughs) 
Like, we either just assume that there's an innate knowledge of how you unload the dishwasher. You know, you're, we never actually, like, physically teach them to do this. I find, I find this in my life all the time. Like, my kids don't know how to do something really basic. And I'll be like, why do you not know that? And it's because no one ever told them, of course. And I just assume that it's either obvious, common sense, reason they should know how to do X, Y, Z. Or, like, from a personality standpoint, I knew how to do it naturally, so I assumed maybe they knew how to do it naturally. And of course, that's not true. (laughs) You know, different personalities, like we have different strengths or we have different sort of layers of common sense, like what seems really natural to us and isn't to them. And it happens in my parenting all the time. And I'm not talking about the, like the more complicated things, like when my, you know, I got my daughter a debit card. Well, of course, I didn't expect her to know how to use a debit card right away. I taught that to her. But there are other things, a lot of the things that are in your guide that you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't think that I had to teach you how to do this, but actually I do. And it will be really helpful if you don't just learn it by observing, but you learn it because someone like gave you the steps. Well, and Lara, I think you bring up so many great points there. And and in addition to those, I think we forget that we lived in a completely different world. So we did learn a lot of things through observation because we didn't have a phone and we didn't have headphones mm. and we didn't live in a digital society. So we had to go with our parents. We watched them interact with a bank teller. We watched them interact with a grocery store clerk. We went to the mall and went shopping and watched them interact with people who were helping them on a regular basis. Our kids don't really have that luxury anymore. For one, a lot of parents are working full time, which means that kids aren't with them all the time, like maybe kids used to be watching those interactions over and over again. And I think for us to just assume they get it, like you said, is a bit unfair for them. And what we can do to kind of close that gap, what I found is my kids got older and I expected them to know all these things. Like I was totally fine with them not getting things when they were 10. They turned 12 and I was like, what is wrong with you? You know, like all of a sudden you seem way too old to be doing this. Whatever you're doing, that seems like really frustrating that you don't already get this. And I think that we forget how deliberate we now need to be when teaching them because they are going to enter this world that they haven't been nearly as exposed to as we were growing up, just because the nature of our world is different. It's not every day that you find a product that you truly love and want to shout about from the rooftops. Well, friends, I have found something that I am genuinely excited to share with you today, and that is Born Shoes. Born Shoes are made with the best top quality leather with functional stitching and flexibility. They are lightweight, but they're also supportive. They are great for all casual occasions, extremely comfortable, and especially good for travel. The brand recently gifted me a pair of the Ithaca style sandals. Of course, they are beautiful. The footbed has extra foam for added comfort and with a slight heel for lift. I am positive that I could walk all over London in this pair of shoes, just like I did in my Born Sandals last summer. Born Shoes offers sandals, flats, boots, and heels in several styles and color choices. Take comfort in Born Shoes. Every season, they make high-quality shoes that feel as good as they look. With artistic touches, unparalleled craftsmanship, and exquisite materials, Born designs shoes to satisfy the demands of every lifestyle. Go to bornshoes.com for a 15% discount plus free ground shipping on all full-price shoes when you use my promo code TELL. That's born, B-O-R-N, shoes, S-H-O-E-S, 
com and use promo code TELL, T-E-L-L, for 15% off and free shipping, available exclusively to our listeners for a limited time. Y'all know that I love to play games on my phone to unwind, and I am always looking for a new one to download. And I recently ran across Two Dots, and I want to tell you about it. Two Dots is a free-to-download, puzzle-based game that involves connecting dots through relaxing puzzles while unlocking levels and collecting prizes along the way. There are different gameplay modes to make the experience unique and exciting with every single puzzle. There are over five thousand distinct puzzles with various power-ups and special dots ready to earn as you move through the levels. The in-app music and visually stimulating interface provide a soothing experience when you just want to relax and unwind. Not only is Two Dots free to download, but it can also be played without internet connection. So playing on the go offline is a breeze. And if you don't want to play alone, you can challenge your friends on Facebook, as well as connect with the larger Two Dots community for even more engagement. If you're looking for the perfect game to help you relax, but also keep you engaged, download Two Dots for free on Android and iOS. Yeah, you're so right. My kids definitely do not interact with me in the world because they don't go on errands with me, like you were saying, in the same way that we did. And there's also a lifestyle component to this. So I remember a few years ago going out to eat with a family where the kids didn't know, they were definitely old enough to order themselves with the waiter, but like they didn't know how or they awkwardly didn't do it sort of in the acceptable way. And I remember sort of being shocked by it. Like these kids are are preteens or whatever, whatever they were. But that is a lifestyle difference in that when I took a step back and realized like their family doesn't go out to restaurants with servers very often. That's not a practice. That's not a thing that, that they were used to in their life for us like our family, we eat out way, way, way too much. So my kids learned how to order and that kind of thing when they were probably way too young. Eating out is a luxury. Like there are some mm-hmm. of these things that are definitely lifestyle differences. Travel, for example, mm-hmm. is another one that are are just going to be lifestyle differences. And again, of no, no fault of anyone's own, how would someone know how to do that if they've never practiced it? And I think empowering our kids. So one of the manners in that book is have restaurant manners. Even if you're not going out to restaurants regularly, you don't want your child's first experience with a server to be at prom when he doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So it's so nice to be able to get in front of these issues. And that's really one of the reasons why I wrote the book was so that our kids didn't feel constantly corrected and put down. They felt empowered. Oh, so when I go interview for a job, this is what I need to know to do. When I go to a restaurant, this is what I need to do. When I meet some, someone new, this is how I introduce myself. You know, all those types of things that can feel very scary or anxiety inducing or make our kids want to just say, I don't want to give that a try. The manners in both of these books help empower them to be ready for those situations when they come. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned the introduce yourself one, because I made a note of the few of my of my favorite tips in this guide that I wanted you to talk through a little bit. And the first one, which is one of the first ones in the guide, is how to introduce yourself. And the second I read it, I was like, well, I don't I don't know if my kids would know how to do that. And they're around people all the time. They are certainly in situations all the time where 
they could and should introduce themselves. And I, if I ask them right at this moment, I don't know if they could. So like, what a great life skill that is. By the way, Brooke, I feel like I know adults who don't know how to introduce themselves well. Well, that's one of the most, one of the reasons why this is the first manner is because this manner can change the trajectory of your life. If you are a person who goes into a place where you don't know people and you're comfortable enough saying, hey, I'm Brooke, I don't think I've met you yet. What's your name? That immediately changes my experience in that situation. And if you become the person that's comfortable with that, you can do that for the rest of your life. There's a middle school teacher that brought this book out and she read the first one and she started it directly after COVID. And she got a standing ovation from 10 kids in her class when she read that. And they said, we have been in all these places and know no one and no one will like, no one will break the ice. No one will be the person that will say like, hey, are you new? Or hey, I haven't met you yet. And they were like, we're tired of feeling so lonely all the time. Mm. And I just thought, you are such a gift. If you can help me make others feel less lonely, like it affects you, it affects everyone else. And I've moved around a lot. And that's a skill that I've been able to use my entire life. I could have moved, when we moved to Virginia, I could have moved there and had no friends ever if I would have chosen to stick to myself. But because I had learned how to introduce myself everywhere I went, I was able to get to know someone new. And I started, you know, started that area knowing no one and ending with a group of friends. And it was because I was willing to do that. It does take like some boldness or some self-confidence to walk at any age to walk up to someone and say, hi, my name is, which is funny because I do think there is a a little bit of this taught maybe like in kindergarten, like when they first yeah. start school, they're taught to walk up and say, hi, my name is, or, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then it gets lost. By the time we get to these teenage years, it feels like that's like a lame thing to do or like you know, maybe brown nosy, or I can see my own teen thinking that that's like kind of cheesy or I don't know, something like that. But really, like you're saying, it actually is so helpful for the person introducing themselves and to others who are also too awkward to be like, what's your name? (laughs) Well, and I love like turning it around. Anytime my kids are like, oh, that, that feels weird to me. I was like, okay, so you go to a party and you know, no one. And you are sitting on the side with no one to talk to and someone walks up to you and says, oh, hey, I'm Brooke. Like, are you new? What's your name? Do you think that person is so lame? Like, no, you are like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making me feel less alone. And so I always like, anytime they give me that, like, I don't know, that's so weird. I'm like, "Mm, let's switch it around. How weird is that person that did that to you when you were feeling lonely? Zero percent weird. And you're probably going to like pray that night and say thank you for that person. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Quick break to make sure that you know it's that time of year again for my annual Not a Gift Guide gift guide. With the internet full of gift guides to help you shop for others, I have created a list of things that you might want just for yourself. Because listen, I know how it works. You buy everything for everyone else and you are the last to get something special under the tree. Well, no more. My Not A Gift Guide gift guide will give you dozens of ideas for you to splurge on for yourself or to pass along to that certain someone who might need some help choosing the perfect present for you this holiday season. 
My Not A Gift Guide gift guide is basically a list of my favorite things of the year. Everything from beauty and style recommendations to home items, even my favorite apps and techie stuff. The Not A Gift Guide gift guide is free and it is available the entire holiday season. In order to get the free full version of my Not A Gift Guide gift guide, you have to be on my secret post newsletter list. The guide only goes out to newsletter subscribers. If you already get my secret post newsletter, then make sure you go and check your inbox. Otherwise, you can sign up to receive this year's Not A Gift Guide gift guide by going to lauratremaine.com slash gift guide. That's lauratremaine.com slash gift guide. Don't miss this year's edition of the free Not A Gift Guide gift guide. You know you want to treat yourself to something special. And now, back to the show. One of the others that I wrote down from the guide is, I thought this was so good. All of these are so good. But one is, be a good passenger. Will you explain that one a little bit? (laughs) So this was actually one of the very first manners I even thought of. Before I created a book, I started sharing these manners online. And that's how I knew parents were really hungry for something that could help them in their home. But I was doing a lot of carpools. And the kids would get in the car and act like I was their Uber driver and like jump on their phones, not say a word, sometimes like not even shut the door on the way out. I'd be like, hey, can you shut the door? See ya, have a good day, you know? And I just was thinking, these kids are going to need a lot of rides <laughs> for the next few years. And I noticed that the kids who were especially grateful and gracious were the kids I was excited to go pick up. Oh, Hinkley needs a ride? For sure. I'm happy to pick him up, you know? And so I thought, okay. I'm going to give these kids the benefit of the doubt. They're not trying to be jerks to the mom that's driving them. They just don't know. And so I wanted to break it down really clearly. And with all of these manners, I think one of the overarching ideas is when you do these, your life is better. So I really try to help explain if you are the child who is, you know, even just says my son has a friend who's so good at this and he's like, Hey, Brooke, how's your day going? And he's like 11 and he's darling And I'm so happy to have him in my car and I'm so happy to go out of my way to pick him up. And he always says, thanks so much for giving me a ride. And you know what? I'm going to give that kid a ride as often as I possibly can. And that's what I think our kids need to know about these manners. This isn't about making your mom look good. That's not why we're teaching you these. This is about you getting more experiences, people being more willing to help you. Like there's a lot that's in it. For you when you're the kid with the good manners. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And some of these practices, or maybe even a lot of these practices, start at home also. And I know that like in a casual family culture, sometimes everyday manners like go out the window in your like in your family life, right? But the kid that doesn't say thank you to the parent for giving them a ride is probably not going to immediately remember to say thank you to their friend's parent for giving them a ride. Like it's just not part of the rhythm. And so noticing where we can have these manners that might feel a little formal at first or might feel a little awkward at first if that's not your family culture, but like that's how you practice it. You sort of practice it in a place where you're comfortable so that when you're in the world, it's more natural. It doesn't feel weird. And you remember to do it. It's just automatic when you get out of the car to say thanks for the ride, basically. That's such a good point. And I think as parents, we can do a lot when it comes to positive reinforcement, right? When our kid does say thank you for the ride, really like saying, that meant a lot to me. Like I had to leave work a little bit early to make sure you got to soccer practice. And that's hard on me. But when you say thank you, it makes me understand that you really 
are grateful for me doing it. And I'm happy to do that again. You know, so really doing what we can when we see them doing these manners to make sure they know we're noticing and it makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, I this comes to mind. This isn't about being a passenger necessarily, but I basically still to this moment am working on teaching my kids to ask me about my day. <laughs> Because because they don't. Like, I ask, how was school? How was volleyball? Like, I ask them questions like a normal parent does. And they answer. Like, I mean, they usually just say, like, fine or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. They they sort of answer. But they never, ever volley it back and say, you know, how was your day, mom? And we've been practicing it. And it is, like, they do kind of giggle because it is, like, this, like, formal kind of robotic thing. But I'm like, no, I, I ask you, you should also ask me. I've had a day also. While you were at school, I was also living my day. So <laughs> you, you can ask me how my day was. So that's actually one of the manners in the second volume of the teen books is take turns in conversation. And I put that in there. That's one of my favorites because there are still adults who will never ask you a question. I will ask somebody, I will know everything from the time they were born to the time we just met. And they can walk away not even knowing if I have children. They don't know if I work, have kids, nothing. And I was like, this is something we need to start earlier. And I love, love, love that you're doing it, even when it feels awkward. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. It's it's kind of funny. We've kind of made it a joke, but it is like a, like a learning joke, if you will. Yeah. Another one that I really liked that I wrote down from the guide is because I also kind of need this one myself, is decline kindly. How do you decline kindly? Oh, that, especially once kids have cell phone conversations, what I was seeing is if a kid didn't want to do something, they would just ghost that person. They would just like disappear off the face of the earth. And I think adults can do this too. And what I realized is it wasn't because they were trying to be unkind they just didn't know how to do it well. Yeah. And, and helping them understand, and even adults understand, it is so much kinder to the person who is offering something to let them have an answer than to leave them hanging. You know, a lot of these teens, it's really hard for them to put themselves out there. So, so they say, hey, would you like to go to the movies on Friday? And it's Tuesday. And no one replies, and no one replies, and no one replies. That's really hard on them. It's actually so much easier if the two people they ask on Tuesday say, I'm so sorry, I already have plans on Friday. That's so much nicer than being strung along and just being hopeful until Friday, you know? And so, you know, I think there are some examples in the book of how to decline kindly. And sometimes our kids need a little script to make it easier for them, especially in the beginning until it becomes more natural. And it's been a good reminder for me too that, just replying as soon as I can so that I don't put someone else in an awkward position. And I think sometimes kids think, but if I say no, that person's going to think I'm so rude. I'm like, no, that person's going to think you're so rude if you ignore them for the next five days. Like mm-hmm. then you're off their list. If you say, I'm so sorry, I have plans on Friday, you're still on the list. It's normal to have other plans. It's not, well, it's probably normal now, but it's not kind to string someone along and never reply. And the idea of people saying, I'm so sorry I didn't have my phone. I'm so sorry I missed your text. Bull. You are on your phone all day, every day. You miss nothing. 100% you saw that and it's just being ignored. 
with sunshine, outdoor activities, and so many fun things to do outside, it is impossible not to enjoy all of these good weather days up ahead. Of course, we all know that more sun and fun means more sweating, and yes, more odor. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world and is seriously safe to use on any and every part of your body. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. I especially love that Lumi deodorant is baking soda and paraben free. It is also pH balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. You can choose from a variety of fresh scents like clean tangerine, lavender sage, and toasted coconut. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code U at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, Dot com and use code U, Y-O-U. Well, one of the things that I've talked about, but I was actually speaking to adults, but it totally applies to this. I talked about this on Instagram a little bit because it was affecting me. Like I was noticing this in my own friendship groups or even in professional groups that the gift of a quick yes or the gift of a quick no is is invaluable. And so I was putting it in context of, you know, I had a book come out this year and I was having to ask favors. Like I was having to ask people if they would share it or if I could come on their podcast or whatever. When people gave me an immediate quick yes or no, like they knew that they weren't going to be able to do this or that. I was less bummed by the no if it was kind of immediate because it just felt like, oh, like at least now I know, like I can kind of Mm -hmm. remove it from my mental plate and move forward. Or also if it's an immediate no, then they, and sometimes they would give me a reason or sometimes not, but like they have some rules in place. Like they don't do this type of thing or they don't, you know, whatever. So it's, it felt less personal when it was an immediate no. Whereas like if they take days to say no, I felt like they were weighing the pros and cons of me as a human. (laughs) You know, when like a quick no is just like, oh, I actually can't, I don't, I'm not available to do that. And then also yeah. same, the gift of a quick yes is because like you were describing, when whatever you're doing, if you're inviting someone to coffee or if you're asking them for a favor, when you're putting yourself out there, when someone immediately says, yes, of course, I would love to, there is no better feeling. And sometimes we know we're going to say yes, but we just like don't take the minute to reply to the text or we don't, t- you know what I mean? If you know you're going to say yes or no for that matter, but Say it right away. For the person who is asking, it is like, it is like, again, again, even the no is a gift to just have it be answered. I love that. And I have been trying to be a little bit better in my own life because as the person on the other end, it's actually really freeing not to have things hanging over your head. Like if you already know the answer, it's so great. And so equipping our kids with the ability to say both yes and no and do it quickly, especially in a world where everyone just decides to ignore each other, I think they become people that stand out. They're people others can count on, whether it's for a yes or a no, but it's like, well, at least that friend's honest with me. At least they're Mm -hmm. not going to string me along. And that increases trust in relationships and allows them to build better relationships with the right kind of people. I love, it's a great reminder for kids and adults. 
Yeah, so so many of these are actually. We're teaching ourselves as we're teaching our kids. Absolutely. Okay, and then the last one that I want to discuss with you that I wrote down because this seems like one of the ones that we were talking about earlier that might be common sense or that we hope is common sense. Turns out it's not. Is um, <laughs> is do your part. Yes, I. Oh, a lot of these manners are things you. If your kids can learn early, they can have much more successful lives in the future. But what I was finding as as my kids went into those teen years is everyone's trying to do as little as possible, and it can be really difficult on the people that choose a different path. So there's a group. Pro- I mean we all have nightmares of group projects, right? Which is why so many of us want to work alone. <laughs> but, right. but, but, you know, on a group project, if you say that you're going to do part A, do part A. You know, if you are a person who's helping to plan a party and you say, I'll get drinks, bring the drinks. You know, mm-hmm. I think oftentimes there's kind of this idea in our world for both kids and adults, but like that there's some magic fairy that fills in all the gaps that we decide we don't want to do. And that magic fairy is whoever was in charge, you know, and, and it makes it really difficult for people. And I think it, you know, it goes back to what we were talking about before is being someone that people can count on being somebody that people can trust actually benefits you in the long run you get offered great opportunities because you're that type of a person. If you're the kid at work who comes in on time and does their shift, you will get promoted. When when budgets are tight, you're not going to be the one that gets cut first. You know, if you're the kid that always does his part on a group project, you're going to have lots of options for people to work with instead of just the leftovers of all the kids who never do their part. If you're on a team and you're the kid who always steps up and does what's been asked, you're going to be the person that continues to get opportunities. And even so far as in the family, we have conversations like this a lot where, you know, we talk to our kids about, I'm working all day. Dad's working all day. We have a lot going on. We can't be worrying about your shoes in the entryway every single day. That's your part. You know, Mm -hmm. we need you to do your part. And what I've noticed too is the kids that do their part, they actually increase their own self-esteem and their own confidence because kids who feel useful, kids who feel needed are kids who feel good about themselves. And so Mm. as we're requiring this as parents, we're also helping them increase their own self-confidence because they feel like they matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Okay. So those are four of the tips that I pulled just that I wanted to discuss with you. That's just a sampling of the total 52 that are, is in part one. And then are there 52 in volume two also? Yeah, there's 52 more. And I would say those go just a little bit deeper. So instead of something like introduce yourself, one of the tips is read the room. So you've got to be just slightly more mature to understand that. So I would say, mm. you know, maybe like, maybe not quite for your 11 year old, although everyone needs the reminders, but maybe just a little bit older. And so- these are um, more tips for to live a successful life, a life that you feel good about. So instead of being a good passenger, we're talking about starting a conversation. Like, what does that look like and how do you do it? So I really love both books and they build really well on each other. Okay. There's one thing that I wanted to ask you about that I saw on your website and I just feel like... <laughs> Again, 14 and 12-year-olds around here. I felt like I just needed to ask you, but you say, 
this is why you feel disconnected from your teen and what you can do about it. Now, I know this is a big topic that I'm like, you know, tossing at you, but yeah. the, the world needs to know why are we disconnected from our teens and what can we do about it? So I think that there are a couple, I mean, I, I talk about this and write about this a lot because like you said, it's, it's a hundredfold topic, but there are a couple suggestions that I have that I think parents can put into effect immediately. And they're not that hard, but they can change relationships. So the first suggestion I have is to start noticing the good. When our kids become teens, suddenly they do a lot of things that need correction and feel very frustrating. Um, And so a lot of our conversations are about things that aren't going well. And that's part of being a teen, a part of being a parent, and that's a necessary part of being a parent. But one of the things I like to remind people of is that for every negative interaction, there should be eight positive interactions. And if if you evaluate your day with your teen, sometimes that doesn't feel like something that you're doing, or maybe even a possibility. As a Wait, reminder, did you say did you say for every negative interaction there should be eight, like the number eight positive number eight positive interactions? <laughs> okay, just right. Clarify. Yep, we're just clarifying. It's good. It's good to be clear. Now, that feels a little, that feels like a lot, depending on your child at the moment. But I like to remind parents that it doesn't mean like eight nice things that you said, but eight positive interactions. So was there a hug? Was there a laugh together? Was there like, oh my gosh, you have to watch this show with me? Like those are all positive interactions, but there should be some verbal positive interactions too. So I really like to encourage parents and this can change relationships. Honestly, I hate to say overnight, but very, very quickly. When a child starts seeing their parent as someone who is a fan of them, they start to open up. They start to be more willing to be a part of life. And so when you start saying things like, um, hey, I noticed how much effort you're putting into that English class. I'm, I'm really proud of that effort. How are you feeling about it? You know, they're like, oh, she usually is like, how come you didn't turn this in? But that's okay if there's things they're not turning in in another class, right? We can start it out with, looks like you're doing really well in ceramics. Are you loving that class? That's awesome. And then you can say something like, I noticed that you've got a couple missing assignments in math. Is there anything I can do to help with that? Instead of, oh my gosh, more missing assignments in math. This is ridiculous. Your phone's gone. You know, just opens up that conversation and lets them know you're not only seeing the bad. When I talk to parents about this, I like to remind them, do you have a boss, a family member, a friend that only notices the bad parts about you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How willing are you to create relationships with that person? Right. So true. Our kids are going to feel the same way. Now, There's people that tell me hard things, but if I know they're still a fan of mine, if they've also praised things, then I can take the hard things. And and those are the types of relationships we want to create with our kids is ones where we can still, like we don't have to tiptoe around. We can say, hey, three missing assignments in math. I'm noticing that. How do you need help? If you can't help yourself, I'm going to help you. We're going to make a plan. You know, that's, that's also part of being a parent but also praising them for the good that they're doing is really important. Um, The second thing that I like to say is our teens still need physical interaction. They need physical touch. There's something that 
really is strange when they go through puberty where all of a sudden their body feels like a little awkward. And like I had kids that were bigger than me and taller than me and like felt weird to just like snuggle up to them. I was great at it as a younger mom, but they need eight second hugs every day. And I set a timer in my phone because physical touch when my kids get older is actually not natural for me. That's not something that I do, but it's something that's important. So I set a timer and, and for the kids who aren't willing to hug, like scratch their back, sit close, tickle their arm, whatever is okay with them. But our kids still need that physical touch. They are Mm -hmm. starved for it. Yeah. And then the third thing that I would say is it's really important to help your kids know that you like them. You're not tolerating them. You don't just love them, but you like them. And this is why our kids go to middle school and they could have an entire day feeling like not one one person likes them for the entire day. And then they come home and they're not their best self. And then they're going to feel like no one in their family likes them either. And that's like a pretty sad way to live those teenage years. Mm -hmm. So as a parent... I like to do what I can to help them know I like them. This is harder for some than others, but small things like, hey, do you want to come with me to the grocery store? I love having you around, Mm -hmm. right? Inviting them into your life, Um, being excited about things they're excited about. I hate video games a lot, but if my child likes them, then telling them over and over how stupid what they like is, is not super effective. So instead, like getting a little bit curious, how, what level are you on, on Fortnite? You know, whatever that looks like, or if your daughter is really into makeup and you don't like makeup, being willing to sit down and watch that tutorial and say, oh my word, I cannot believe how different that person looks with makeup. So there's a couple things that you can just do to make them feel like you like them. I am the first to say there are years when this is feels almost impossible. But if it's hard for you to like them, they're probably the kid that it's hard for other people to like them too. And they really need to feel that at least for a few minutes every day that everyone's not just out to get them or thinking they're an idiot or someone they don't want to be around. Let them know that that they are someone that's worth your time, worth your attention because you enjoy it. Mm. I love that. I love all of this. Brooke, I feel like we could talk forever, but this has been such a good conversation. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom with us. Now, we talked about teens today because I have teens. I know that a lot of our audience has teens also, but you actually have a new book out that's for a little bit of a younger crowd. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So I, when I wrote 52 Modern Manners for Teens, volume one and two, I had a lot of parents who were like, I don't want to wait until the teen years to start this like manners journey. Like I want to start it earlier. And so I created a book for kids ages four to 12. It actually works really well. I'm using it with my 12 year old. It works really well. And we address things that are really pertinent to their situation and their life. Really similar format, stand up, flip book, display the manner all week. But that's been really fun. And parents have loved being able to start that early and then build on it with the teen books. Oh, I love it. Okay. Can you tell listeners where they can find your books, where they can follow you? Because I know you share a lot of this great information online as well. Just tell us where they can come find you as soon as they're done listening here. I know they're going to want to. 
Great. So books are all on Amazon. That's the easiest place to get them. And then my community is Brooke Romney Writes, and we share a ton about parenting teens, you know, parenthood, and just kind of ways to live a happy and joyful life, even when things aren't always going your way. I love it so much. Thank you for sharing yourself today with the 10 Things to Tell You listeners. Thank you, Lara. You've just listened to an episode of the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. For show notes and links, go to 10thingstotellyou.com. Make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. And you can also join our free connection group on Facebook to discuss episodes and topics. For bonus content, ad-free episodes, and monthly Zoom gatherings with me, join my Secret Stuff Patreon community by going to 10thingstotellyou.com slash secret stuff. Thanks for listening.